This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 34. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast and founder of BiggerPockets.com. Happy to be here with you guys today alongside, I'm actually not alongside, but I'm virtually alongside my good buddy, good buddy, Brandon Turner. What's up, buddy? Hey, Josh Dorkin, how the heck are you? Oh boy, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's a cheesy episode right here. Oh my God, it's about to begin. Well, we've got Anson on. We do have Anson and he is not cheesy. He is hilarious. Anson is a funny, funny dude. So uh, we'll introduce him later. But uh, yeah, listen, everything's good. Uh, Very excited to be uh, back uh, for yet another episode of the show. Excited that uh, our development team on Bigger Pockets is is off of vacation. And uh back working away making cool things happen but uh yeah things are great things are great i'm very excited about the the show to come me too me too definitely um i just got done with uh, the minnesota state fair i was there twice in the past three days and uh yeah it was good i'm on a little vacation to minnesota so i'm heading back home tomorrow that's awesome. Yeah, you know, for anyone listening, I've I, I've actually put out a challenge to Brandon um, <laughs> across the the past week to uh, get videos of himself uh, chowing down on some deep fried butter or something else, you know, <laughs> real state fairish, and and he just totally wussed out. He completely. I, I took a picture of the the deep fried candy bar booth or bacon yes. or deep fried candy bar wrapped in bacon. I think it was something like that. Anyway. Yeah. I did not yeah. enjoy that. I just had a Prano pup and it was amazing. It's like a corn dog, but good stuff. Yeah. No. Well, you know, if if you guys are listening and you are going to a state fair, we want a photo of you eating something deep fried and nasty. So yeah. send us your deep fried butter pics. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> All right. So on to the show here. Uh, before we go uh, and, and start the interview, we are going to do our quick, quick tip. tip. Quick tip. Yeah. So today's quick tip is unanswered post. If you go to the forums, you'll see at the top of biggerpockets.com slash forums, you'll see a tab that says unanswered. If you go there, you will see posts that people have spent time asking questions and 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 sharing their thoughts. And, and these are people who are waiting for a response from you. So please jump in, check out those unanswered posts because... Uh, you know, uh, you can you can help your colleagues make new friends and uh, be a valuable member of the Bigger Pockets community by doing so. And hopefully, uh, you will jump in and make that happen. So, uh, quick tip: make it happen. Good tip. Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. So on today's show, we have Anson Young uh, as a guest. Anson is a flipper and wholesaler here in the uh, friendly confines of uh, the Denver. Colorado area. Uh, Anson does some virtual wholesaling and uh, he's actually a licensed real estate agent as well. Uh, Anson's been in the game now for eight years and uh, as I said earlier, he's, he's really a funny guy. He's uh, currently running the Bigger Pockets unofficial meetup for the uh, Denver area. And uh, so if you're, if you're local, you definitely want to link up with him. And if you're not local, you still want to link up with him because uh, he's he's doing deals around the country now virtually, uh, which is uh, which is awesome, and which we're going to talk about. 
You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. Anson, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Great, great. Yeah, man, doing awesome. Doing very good. It's very cool to have you. You're, I, I think you're our first local Denver guy that uh, that we're interviewing. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. That's good. I could be doing this from your kitchen table, but phone calls just as impersonal. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, exactly. Well, I didn't want I didn't want my face that close to yours next to my giant blue microphone. Yes, I. I've heard about those things. Yeah, that, we didn't. Didn't you and I do that, Josh? Back, uh, like I don't remember what episode that was, but we recorded from your kitchen table. Yeah, I, I, I was a little nervous as your mouth came <laughs> close to mine every time somebody had something to say. It was, it was weird. Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty classy. All right, well, let's uh, let's let's get into the 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 <laughs> interview here, Anson. Um, why don't we just start out with a basic question? What do you do? Like, what what kind of investing do you do? I do mainly wholesaling these days. I am, um, I've done flipping and wholesaling, um, currently wholesaling and actually kind of revamping my 
flipping business to get back into it. Cause that's what I really, really like to do. Um, there's stories involved in that, that we can get into later, but, um, wholesaling is primary right now. Right on. And how'd you, uh, how'd you end up getting into that? How'd you start out as an investor? What, what got you going? As an investor, I started out, um, like a lot of people do. I got a gift of rich dad, poor dad. And while that gave me a good mindset, um, it, I ended up reading it on the way down to Phoenix as we were moving, my wife and I. And um, right when I landed, I basically just started in with trying to get in with uh, you know people who were doing what I wanted to do, which was just investing. Um, started with the book. Obviously, it expanded from there. I ended up taking a lot of crap jobs from investors and agents in order to kind of uh, get my feet wet, pay my dues, and get started. Nice. Well, can I actually ask, what kind of jobs were those? Can we go into that a little bit? Because a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, they, they want to know how to kind of get started, and I think that's a good way to do it. And doing crap jobs is a good way to get started. That it is. is. I mean, That's a tweetable <laughs> topic right there. Crap jobs. Yeah, that's uh, right. I, I, I ended up doing um, just a lot of things that other people didn't want to do. I was from running contracts to um, actually installing signs and uh, paperwork um, BPOs. I did a lot of BPOs and valuation type stuff. And, were were uh, you an agent at the time or no? Not at the time, no. Okay. But I, I got a good start with uh, basically here's the MLS. Um, I'm going to park you in front of it for eight hours. You're going to do you know a certain amount of BPOs, and you're going to go out and try to find you know deals for us, kind of thing. And and, and really so, really quick, tell tell everyone what a BPO is for those. People. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a uh, broker price opinion. And it's something that a bank um, will hire an agent to do uh, to give their broker price opinion on a certain property, whether it's a short sale or an REO. Got it. All right. So, so you're doing these crappy jobs, and then what? And then, so I'm doing these crap jobs, and then um, basically I came into a source of deals, which was an REO agent who's a, a good friend of mine, and. Um, I ended up partnering. I had a deal, but I didn't have any money. And I ran into another agent who had money, but didn't have any deals. So it's obviously a match made in heaven. We partnered up to do our first flip deal uh, here in Denver. And um, it actually worked out really well, that partnership. Uh, we still partner on and off on, on deals even today. Nice. nice. So what was, what was that? De- yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. What a time, boys. Yeah. That? Yeah. I got it. <laughs> All right, let me. I got this. All right. So, can you like tell us a little bit more about? Can Can you tell us a little bit more about that actual uh, first deal? Absolutely. Um, it was an REO that I got under contract, and then I went and we partnered up with this with this other agent who was just bringing the money, and uh, he's a very good handyman type. Um, he can do A to Z with uh, construction, probably not, you know, the crazy electrical stuff or anything that's, uh, you know, from the ground up construction, but he can do full rehabs. So we went in, um, bought this place for 80 grand and we ended up putting in about $14,000. So it was, it was kind of a lipstick rehab. It didn't need anything crazy. And, uh, he did all the work <clears throat> and I came in and helped. I probably messed up a few things when I came in to help. I'm not handy at all. And then uh, we ended up selling it for about one forty-four, and obviously um, we did okay on it. So um, 
it was it was a great match. Nice. I, I, I think the, the, the partnership idea when flipping houses is an awesome idea. I think a lot of people try to flip houses and they want to do it on their own the first time because they think I don't want to, you know, split 50% of my profit. But, you know, I, I think it's a great idea. I've done it a number of times. I'd say like half of my flips I've done have been with a partner of some kind. I agree. And and that one was more of a 70-30 arrangement. So I was going to ask. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't do any of the work. I did find the deal and I did... Um, you know, help sell it. Obviously, uh, at that time, I was an agent already, so I did help sell it. And you know, uh, obviously, just bringing a deal shouldn't get you fifty percent of the of the of the money, unless you know, unless your partner is comfortable with that. But he did most of the work, so he should get most of the money. I and you know, thirty percent of something is better than nothing. So he ma- he managed uh, he managed the entire project as well. Then is what you're saying? He did absolutely. Okay. Okay. Right on. Okay, so that's that's not bad. I mean, you got this first deal off the ground, and uh, you know, from there, did you guys continue to do deals together, or did you go off on your own? How did that how that flow? Well, the next deal that that I found um, was a pretty thin deal, and so what I did is I ended up wholesaling it to him, and he went ahead and uh, put in his own money and fixed and flipped it on his own, and I went on uh, found a private money partner to fund my next three deals. And so I did the next three on my own uh, without a partner. So I just uh, you know, did the private hard money route and went from there. So you, you said it was a thin deal, but he, he went ahead and did it anyway. So you, you went, you wholesaled it. Uh, did, did, uh, did he actually end up making any money or was it a deal that in retrospective was kind of a crap wholesale deal that you, you know, a, a, a more experienced flipper may not have taken? That's not how I roll, Josh. No, um, <laughs> not calling no, you out or was, anything. Uh, I know you no, wouldn't no. do that today, of course. But you know, <laughs> no, of course, it's um, it was it was still a good deal. It was just too thin to split fifty fifty. We we felt, gotcha. and so uh, with his money involved, um, it it was better just to pay me, you know, two grand or twenty five hundred for it and he he went on to make good money on it so nice. i don't feel i don't feel too bad for him so. okay well was it two or 2500 which was it um i believe <laughs> no, I'm well, just, I'm just, <laughs> it was a while ago i believe it was 2500 i'm kidding man i'm just uh, two tops but yeah no, i got you well that makes sense so you, you know in, in this case you're working with the guy there's a deal there's definitely money to be had however just splitting splitting that opportunity wasn't necessarily going to work so i think i think it's a good point for for listeners you know that sometimes a deal is still a deal but it may not be a deal if you have to start slicing it up amongst other people exactly yeah. that's correct i yeah. did a i did a flip last year and i think we made at the end combined 15,000 but then we had to split that so we got 7500 and then I paid taxes on that. I think I ended up with you know under five by the time I was done. And that was that was exactly that thing. It was probably too thin. I shouldn't have partnered on that one. But yeah, it worked out. I mean, it was still five grand. But yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work for five grand too. All right. So um, so how are you actually finding these deals, Anson? Um, I am a MLS guy from from the beginning. It's just kind of my roots of of where I started. I'm a MLS junkie, as it were. And nice. uh, pretty much everything has come from there that I've done so far, except for a handful of of off market stuff. Okay, nice. Do you nice. find that drying up now? It is getting a little thinner. However, um, you know we're still finding decent deals. You just have to really know how to dig for them, 
and then dig. You have to dig a lot deeper these days. And and these are you're you're finding these on the MLS. Yes, sir. In in the city of Denver. In in Denver, yes. Right on. So what what address? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, because I'm not looking for deals in Denver or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But if I was, I would. Yes. Yeah, nice. I All right. So okay, that's great. That's great. So you're still digging there. You're not doing any direct mail or any other kind of marketing then. I've been testing direct mail. I I see the, I see the advantages of off market, and um, I've done test marketing starting last October and just um, kind of trying to find what exactly I want to do there. And I've been reaching out on bigger pockets to kind of find the what what's working for other people and try to mimic that so I don't have to reinvent the wheel or anything. But there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of really good direct mail guys there. So it's a good it's a great resource to to tap into for sure. Yeah. Excellent. That is kind of like the popular thing right now is direct mail and I know I keep talking about it every show and I haven't actually officially started yet, but you know, we'll get there. So, uh, um, <laughs> you you said you're buying in Denver. Are you, are you doing any work elsewhere as well? Or is it just Denver? Is that your kind of what you've been working on? Denver was what, I, what I've been working on mostly. Um, I do have MLS access in a number of, of different areas, um, like Phoenix. Uh, and I lived in Phoenix for a couple of years and I understand the areas really well and, um, have been looking for deals on and off there. And in, well, I also have, thanks to partners and, and friends and agents and, and kind of just networking, you know, I do have MLS access in a number of different cities and have been uh, doing sporadic deals here and there. I'm trying to kind of nail down how I want to best utilize that. There's only so many hours of the day. So I think I'm going to have to bring in VAs or something to help with, if, if I'm going to build a business around it there has to be a structure there. So right now yeah. there's not a structure. I understand it. Um, I can find sporadic deals there and sell them, but um, you know, the volume isn't huge. It's not impressive. Let's say that. Right on. Right on. Well, let me, let me ask you, how important do you, do you really think it is to fully understand an area, understand a neighborhood before you start scouting for deals? I think it's, I think it's pretty important. Um, I've found that, you know, if, if if you do have MLS access, the easiest way to find what's hot is to search cash sales in the last six months. Um, you know, find a really hot area that has a lot of cash sales, and then you have a pretty good baseline of where investors are buying in that neighborhood. If they're buying three twos for a hundred grand, and then you go on and you search the same area for FHA sales or conventional sales, when these things are all fixed up, and you see if they're selling for two hundred, let's say. Um, you pretty much have a good general baseline of a neighborhood doing BPOs for a long time. I understand that you, you know, you're not going to cross any major streets. You want to stay within that subdivision, um, if possible. And you should have a pretty good baseline. Investors are buying for a hundred. They're reselling for 200. You know that pretty much if a deal comes on for a hundred or 95 or 90, that you better jump on it because it's likely a good deal. Yeah. So can you can you use that then? Say you know I said you know what Anson, I want to I don't know let's 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 go wholesale some houses in in Fairfax Virginia. You know can can you literally you know find somebody who's got the MLS access, jump on and start doing a similar search cash sales in the last six months and and uh, f- 
find deals and opportunities that way? Does that just work or do you have to have uh, boots on the ground to, to really have a good idea of what we're dealing with? Well, I, I'm going to say the first one that, that I've, I've got it to work with just doing it virtually. Um, obviously having boots on the ground, you have a more intimate knowledge of, of areas. And, you know, there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, who live and invest there who will say, I won't invest on this street for this reason. And obviously I wouldn't know that from a top-down perspective just on the MLS, you know, from my office in Colorado. So, um, but that said, I've, I've, I've had it work virtually for a few years now. Um, do, just, just being, having the experience of doing a couple hundred BPOs every year for a few years has given me the experience to say, I know what I'm looking for just based on the raw data. Every now and then you'll get something really strange where if you did have boots on the ground, you would know that. But um, you know, coming in from, from virtual on the internet, you may not know everything, but I think that the raw data doesn't lie. And if you see you know, uh, 40 sales in the last you know, couple months in an area that are all cash, you can pretty much bet that that's a hot investor area and somewhere that you should be looking. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you, so you mentioned virtual, and I guess that's where the term like virtual wholesaling comes from. Uh, so I guess why don't, we, why don't we touch on that a little bit more since you have more experience with that than um, I think most of our guests who have been here. Sure. Uh, so first of all, maybe just give a real broad uh, definition. What is virtual wholesaling? It would be uh, wholesaling in an area that's different from where you work, from where you live, uh, from where you normally work. If I work Denver, virtual wholesaling would be properties in Phoenix or um, Dallas or Fairfax, Virginia, as, as Josh said, somewhere other than where I live and work. Yeah. I've often thought about you know doing some virtual wholesaling myself because you know my area is very small. I don't live in a large metropolitan area, and so I kind of feel like uh, wholesaling. Like I think it would work, but on a very small scale. So if I wanted to you know take it up a notch, uh, I could go look in you know Seattle or Tacoma or Denver or whatever. But no, uh, no, 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 no. You're not allowed. <laughs> no, and just it's kind of your own fault. I mean, you live in a town with like six people. <laughs> there are three thousand in my town. I'll have you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, you know since just, you have since you have like three thousand and five cats, then <laughs> it, it outnumbers the population. <laughs> I probably do have three thousand cats that roam through my yard every day. Wow, I get made fun of for my cats, even by our guests <laughs> now. This is awesome. <laughs> But I know An- Anson has cats. I know that he's a cat guy as well. I I wouldn't say a cat guy. I I, I possess <laughs> Sorry, crazy cats in, crazy cat guy. In, Is that better? <laughs> there you go. That's it. That's it. Can we get back to the show, guys? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, from when I when I realized that I had a wholesale deal um, in Aurora, which is the same city I live in, and I didn't even get in my car to go see it before I sold it, um, I pretty much realized it was it was one of those aha moments where I figured. You know what? If I can do this and it's 15 minutes away, uh, I can do this pretty much anywhere. Now, obviously, I know my area a little bit better, but um, I've gotten it to work in Kansas City, Arizona, um, Georgia, a couple there. So it, it can work anywhere as long as you have. For me, MLS access is the only way to go. I couldn't imagine trying to do it off of Zillow or Redfin or anything else. 
So, yeah. so what, what about those people who don't have MLS access? I mean, do you have any tips for those guys? I feel very bad for them. No, um, <laughs> I think, I, I think that there's, you know, there, there's definite ways to, to get access. I, I can't rely on, on, on data from those, from those other sites that, that might be missing a lot of things. Um, I would say that you can baseline some things off of, off of Zillow or Redfin. I think that you had a guest just recently, maybe two episodes ago, that uses you know Zillow for their iPhone, something like that. Um, to me, that would be data that I couldn't 100% trust, honestly. But there are ways that somebody could get MLS access, whether it's partnering up with an agent, becoming an unlicensed assistant to an agent, um, basically networking and, and, and showing value to those agents in return or for something that I think is priceless, which is direct MLS access. Yeah. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, you know, like I don't have direct access to the MLS, uh, but like my agent is only a text away. And so, I mean, that's an idea. Like if you can get a good relationship with an agent, like I I text him probably 10 times a day when I'm like, you know, in hunting mode. So uh, that's a suggestion for people too that don't have it. Just, I don't know, bother your agent a whole lot. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I think that that can work. I've never found an agent that's reliable enough um, to do that for me. But if you have that guy, then that's that's just as good, I think. So, well, hopefully what? we can teach some more agents that way uh, because uh, this is a perfect transition because I, a couple of weeks ago I wrote a post uh, called The Ultimate Guide. Well, the, yeah, The Real Estate Agent's Ultimate Guide to Working with Investors. And it's like, uh, the longest blog post I've ever written. I mean, by far, like I think it was nine thousand words or something like that. It was, and like, yeah, yeah. I mean, epic post. I I thought it was pretty good. Anyway, the whole the whole thing is, listen, real estate agents. This is exactly what I wish every real estate agent knew about how quirky and weird we investors are. Like, I, I'm. I think we're we all kind of have like weird. You know, we're different from the normal home buyers, right? So absolutely. Yeah, I, I anyway, I made this guide. Hopefully if there's any agents listening and with, you know, twelve thousand some people listening to this show right now, hopefully a good chunk of them are agents. So yeah, go check it out. Uh it's just biggerpockets.com slash agent. You can get there and uh yeah, check it out. So nice. back to I'll, the, I'll have to read it. I'll have you to read will it. have you to should read, it. read it. Yeah, yeah you I should. Will. I you will. should. Yeah. Um but Anyway, so so you were transitioning to the agent thing, but but I I wanted to go back for just a second before you completed your transition there, Brandon, and and <laughs> and, and talk about the uh, the neighborhoods that that um, Anson's looking at, and also uh, the properties that he's looking at. Yeah. You know, how does how does how does he find out? You know, how does he see them? How does he uh, you know is he just relying on pictures on the MLS? Um, and and again, you know, in terms of neighborhood. Is it really just you know? Hey, let's find a neighborhood where we can find, you know, tons of cash sales. It's yeah. It's mainly it's mainly looking for you know a hot activity. Obviously, um, in order to get pictures or in order, in order to get an idea of, of what you're getting into, um, my favorite way, especially virtually, I'm not li- licensed in that state that I'm working in most likely, and so calling up the listing agent direct and uh, getting, uh, having them write up your offer goes a long way, but, uh, you can also utilize, um, you know, pictures, pictures only tell you so much, but I've had good luck with finding field vendors who do this, this kind of work for REO agents who just go take, you know, a crazy amount of pictures, 
crazy amount of detail in the reports. You know, pay them 20, 30 bucks to to kind of go vet a property, um, make sure that I'm not getting into anything crazy, and kind of go from there. Gotcha, gotcha. And and do you care if the neighborhood is, you know, a a you know, blue collar, white collar, you know, uh, you know, more dangerous neighborhood? I mean, does it matter? Um, I wouldn't go anywhere. You know, crazy dangerous. Usually, they're blue collar neighborhoods. Um, they're either first time homebuyer neighborhoods or maybe the next move up neighborhood. Yeah. I haven't gotten in anything that's white collar. You know, five hundred thousand dollars stuff. Um, most of it is in the in the hundreds somewhere. If not, you know, buy in the eighties and and can resell for one sixty something like that. Um, nothing too much above that. Maybe too much above two hundred. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And are these are these bank repos or are these uh, you know motivated sellers or what? Um, a good portion are REOs. Um, some are estates, and lately a lot of them are short sales. Even though the market's kind of ticking up and kind of uh, getting those underwater people get their heads above water, but a lot of them are short sales, which are one of my favorite things, mainly because I view it as a time machine. Called the short sale time machine, but it's basically you know once you lock it up and then whenever it gets negotiated out the other side, the market's changed. And even lately, you know things that we locked up in October of last year are coming through finally, and they're coming through at October 2012 prices. And here we are with you know two percent appreciation per month, which doesn't sound crazy, but it it's a really nice little time capsule where it comes out the other side at a better value. That's and of course it idea. could go the, it could go the other way, you know, if the market was tanking. Yeah. But then you then you still have the option to walk away, thankfully, but we're going to keep the 2012 prices. Nice. So using the short sale time machine method in a hot market <laughs> is uh, it's kind of a hot little tip there, I think. I it guess. is, yeah, and it's patented. No, I'm just kidding. It, some- $997, I'll tell you full details on what you need to do. What was that website? It's, uh, it's philjoshespockets.com. Nice. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I'd never heard anybody say that before, so that you're kind of blowing my mind right now, Anson, but that's cool. Um, yeah, it totally reminds me of like the the options, right, in, in stock trading. I mean, that's the option idea, but anyway, um, so how do you get around... If you're wholesaling these and they are bank repos or short sales, I thought you know people say you can't wholesale a bank repo. How are you getting around that? Oh, you absolutely can. Some of them will tack on a deed restriction, which means they try to tell you that you can't sell it within three months for a certain price. This is mainly a Fannie Mae thing. Um, but you know, a lot of times. You know, that, that's 120% of what you bought it for. And so a lot of times I'm not a greedy wholesaler. I will just take, you know, five to seven to 10 grand. I'm not looking for the home runs all the time. But um, a lot of times you can just skate under the radar of those deed restrictions by just having your, your exit sale price is lower than, you know, obviously um, what that deed restriction is. Or there's uh, land contracts and LLC sales and all kinds of ways to kind of, uh, do alternate closings for the wholesale deal. Okay. Are you doing double closings? I mainly am. I will do LLC transfers with people who I know and trust and deal with on a regular basis. Let's talk about that then, Rook. What is an LLC uh, transfer? LLC transfer is I get a contract or I get a property under contract with my LLC 
it'll likely be a brand new LLC that I set up. Um, get it under contract. I find a buyer. And instead of doing a double close where I go and close it and then I close with my buyer, um, I will assign, I'll basically sign over the LLC to that buyer in exchange for, um, you know, an LLC transfer fee, something, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but it's basically you're selling the business to somebody else with the intention that you have a property under contract with that business. And so on the day of closing, they walk in and they are for all intents and purposes, the owner of that LLC at that point, and they just walk in and close it, and you walk away with your fee, and they walk away with the property. And how are you funding the deal? Because obviously you need to fund the deal up front in order to uh, make the initial acquisition. Well, this all happens while the property is still under contract, so it's a literal zero money out of pocket type deal. Okay, so you're doing this prior to close? Yes, prior to close, yes. Got it. So they, they're the ones who actually sign the closing docs because uh, well, they, they, they're just transferring over whoever's in charge of the LLC, correct? So the that, new person who's in charge of the LLC just signs the closing docs. That's correct. Yep. At that point, they are the managing member of the LLC and I've hopped off the LLC with my transfer check in hand and um, you know now they're the owner. So they walk in and they close it at title. Nice. Wow, that's, that's cool. Um, you said that you only do that with people you trust. Uh, is there a reason for that? Well, there's, first of all, it's kind of hard to explain people who haven't done it before. I haven't got around that hurdle and nor it's kind of a headache. It's easier to double close. Yeah. Um, people who you trust, you know, like, like a lot of other wholesalers have said on your show that, um, my list might be a couple hundred people, but I really only deal with three to five people and those three to five I'll do LLCs transfers all day long with, and then the rest, you know, I might have to do a few few deals with them before I can fully trust them to, um, to do that kind of deal. Yeah. No, gotcha. for those who didn't, who haven't listened to the, you know, our podcast episode with Sharon Bornholtz or Jerry Puckett, can you explain real quick what a double closing is? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm the buyer of, let's just say it's an REO. I go in and well, I, I'll, Get it under contract. I'll find someone to sell it to, another investor. So I'll go in and I'll close it for, let's say, $100,000. And then the same day, I will close it with the investor that I have under contract for $110,000, let us just say, round numbers. And um, so there'll be two closings on one day, and I'll walk away with the difference between the two. And the, the title company just takes care of that whole thing, right? They do, yes. That's cool. And uh, do you have any trouble finding title companies that will do that? I know that's a common question in the forums all the time is how do I find a double closing friendly title company? Any tips? You know, and I, I see that question all the time. And I honestly, in anywhere that I've worked, um, I've never found one that won't do it. It's a very common uh, transaction. And unless you're using, unless your your investor buyer is using like a conventional loan or something that throws a wrench in the works, if it's all cash, um, I I haven't found a title company that won't do it. Honestly, that's nice. cool. You nice. just got to ask for it, I guess. Yeah, you just got to ask. Just say, hey, do you do same day closings or double closings? And um, you know, many times it's it's a yes, and many times you can get just a hold open fee on your title and save you know save some money when you're transferring title. So. Ah, there's a nice, there's a nice tip. Yeah. I always ask for the hold open 
Um, and this might be just a Colorado, Arizona type thing, West Coast thing. Uh, we don't deal with real estate attorneys or anything. But um, but yeah, hold open is you basically just pay the difference between title insurance. If you bought for 100 and you sold for 110, you know, the title insurance on the first transaction would be, you know, let's say $1,000. But then on the second side, you're only paying for $10,000 of title insurance and not $110,000 worth of title insurance. Ah. So the hold open is really nice to save to save money, especially when you're flipping or wholesaling and uh, you save money on that second sale, whether you're selling to another investor or to an FHA buyer who's buying your rehabbed house. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Okay, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so how are you finding uh, the ca- cash buyers in these areas? So you've got, you know, you've got your, your you go, you find the deals. Where, where do you find the buyers? I've been finding them mainly through, uh, I will find the cash buyers in, in that neighborhood and I'll start there. So I've had good luck with, you know, if I have a three two in a certain area, I'll go find other guys who have closed three twos in that area, and I will, you know, I'll hunt them down through tax records. I will cold call them. I haven't really done the mailing thing yet. That's kind of a, uh, a last last option for me. Mm-hmm. I'll cold call them. Um, I'll say, hey, I see you bought one two three Main Street. I have one two six Main Street for five thousand less than you bought yours for. Do you have any interest? And a lot of times these guys who already have a rehab going in that neighborhood will jump on it because they can save some costs on rehabbing two houses right next to each other or down the street from each other. And that's that's my main way of finding kind of those off, you know, virtual type wholesale deals um, when it comes to local Denver stuff. Like I said, I have three to five main guys and um, I don't really need anything else. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, so Anson, if you have MLS access, are you saying? Because I've never had it. Are you saying you can look up, uh, you know, who the cash buyers are that bought a three two in that neighborhood? I mean, is that just as simple as plugging in some numbers? It really is. Instead of searching for active sales, you'd be searching for sold properties within a certain time frame, and then you can even narrow it down to bedroom, bathroom. You can narrow it down to square footage. I mean, pretty much, you know, only two stories in that subdivision that have sold and, and it'll pull them all up. And there's a tax record option on all the MLSs that I've seen. Um, and it shows you, you know, sometimes they don't update right away. They don't update for a couple months, but uh, generally it's the best resource to, to, to find those, you know, in an easy, easy to read kind of manner. It's all right there on your screen, a nice grid of, you know, maybe 30 homes in your area. And then you know what you're working with at that point. That's cool. I'm going to call my agent right after we get off this call and I'm going to make him look that all up for me. No, and that's great. And I've, and I've done it for other um, investors here in town, which they just say, Hey, can I see all the cash sales in this area? And it's, it's literally a 30 second thing and then an email and that's it for me anyways. So Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. 
Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good, good. Well, you know, I think we were, uh, I think we were going to talk about agents, and then we jump back to virtual wholesaling. So, I, I, <laughs> I think maybe we should jump back to uh, back to, to agents to, to work, you know, to working with agents a little bit, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll see where the road takes us. Yeah, um, and and yes, by the way, for everyone listening, we do have a map at how we're going to do these calls, and we we <laughs> we know where we're going. But you know, when things get interesting, we we just go off on tangents. That's the real life, and that's what we do. So, okay, so so you were an agent. Uh, let let's talk about that. Did you decide to get your license because you knew you were going to get into real estate investing, or did you get your license because you wanted to be a sales uh, person in the real estate space? I've always um, I got my license about two years after, maybe three years after I read that Rich Rich Dad Poor Dad the first time. Always with the intent of using it for investing. I did try the you know, residential real estate thing for about eight months and, and kind of in a crisis of, you know, Hey, I have it. I might as well use it to sell to, you know, friends and family and strangers. And, uh, found out very quickly that, that even doing it on the side really wasn't for me. It was, uh, you know, 10 list, 10 houses on a Saturday with people who are nitpicking over wallpaper, just, um, <laughs> just wasn't for me. And so I decided to, you know, just go ahead and, and, uh, do purely, investing at that point and and always with the intention of using it for investing gotcha gotcha yeah i i was an agent for for a while in uh in socal and 
I had a similar uh, similar feeling. It just it didn't work, and and too much you know too much battling between you know potential clients. Although I worked with an investor, and and that was fantastic. You know, being an agent who actually worked with an investor who knew what he wanted and knew what he was doing was probably the most fun part of of my job. Nice. So so Anson, I, this is coming from perspective because I just wrote this guy that we talked about earlier. What do you think? You know, as an agent, as somebody who's been an agent and worked with investors, what what makes you happy or annoyed to work with an investor? Um, it makes me happy when uh, they know what they're looking for. They know, you know, their exact areas and their exact formulas of what what they want to purchase, and um, you know, they can execute that quickly. So if I do bring them a house, that I can get a, an immediate answer because we work kind of in an immediate. Uh, type market. I mean, even when the market's bad, jumping on deals, you know, you have to be the first one there or, um, or have the best offer. And so, you know, going to the annoying side, it's very annoying when guys don't have their stuff together or they, um, they're very slow to respond. I like working with pros who do, you know, they know their rehab numbers. They might need to do a drive-by or just a walk, really quick walkthrough. You know, they don't need to get 10 invest or 10 contractor bids in order to make a decision. Obviously everyone has to start somewhere. Um, but you know, those guys who can execute quickly and then don't make me run around for no money and, uh, you know, Hey, can you comp these 10 properties? And, uh, you know, they're not planning on closing on anything with me. And, uh, you know, for an agent, that's very frustrating and probably why I don't work with as many investors or almost any anymore is just because uh, most of the guys, you know, have their group of agents that they do work with. Um, I don't need to work with investors to make a living, but, uh, you know, a lot of new guys will come up and ask me, hey, can you do, you know, these hundred things? And I know at the end of the day that they're not going to pull the trigger. And that's, uh, for an agent, can be very frustrating. So, yeah. so what can a new investor do, right? How do, you know? I, hey, I'm brand new. I'm fresh. I've done my studying. I, I, I know, you know, I know how to analyze properties, and I want to start looking. How do I, how do I get started approaching an agent? What do I need to say to them? What do I need to, you know, bring to the picture here to not piss off every agent in town? <laughs> no, that, I mean that's a great question, and um, one that I think about pretty often, especially when I'm, I'm fielding you know, uh, newer guys who are looking for, um, that kind of help. And, and really, um, you know, knowing exactly what you're going after helps. Um, and then, like I said, time is of the essence and I could show, you know, I can, I can hand you five deals and if it takes you a week to get back to me on them, they'll all be gone and you'll have wasted your time and mine. Um, and so I would say, you know, Obviously, have your stuff together. Have you know? Have your money lined up. Have your uh, your contractor lined up to get in there. You know, pretty immediately, because um, when you are ready to ready to pull the trigger, you have to do it pretty quickly. So, and I know that that's a lot of steps for a new guy, um, especially financing and contractor and having everything lined up to go. But if you're talking about MLS deals, you're usually talking about things that we need a decision on. You know, within 24 hours or less, all you know, pretty much any offers that I blast out that are new properties on the market are within you know an hour or two on market. Wow. And so, while that's that's completely unrealistic for a lot of new guys, you definitely have to have your stuff ready because if you bail out on because you didn't have your financing ready, or if you bail out because you know your 
three contractors and two didn't show up, you know, it's like um, you're going to piss off agents pretty quickly. Gotcha. That's yeah. great. That's great. Um, hey, really quick uh, for everybody listening, this is the Bigger Pockets podcast, show 34. And uh, if you want to keep up with the show notes, uh, go to biggerpockets.com slash show 34. And uh, of course, there you can ask Anson any questions you have. He'll be there to answer them for you. Uh, so definitely be sure to check out the show notes. And, and of course, we'll point to any resources on the show. Um, Anson, what about uh, you had talked about uh, doing those BPOs? You know, for for anyone who's potentially interested in in doing that, how how does one uh, do, how does one do that? Because it it does seem like a great opportunity to really start learning how to analyze uh, potential properties, how to get a feel for a market. It really is, and it's and, and it's more of a you know I was I was working when I started as a, in an assistant type um, scenario where I was assisting an agent, and then I got dumped with a bunch of BPOs and learn how to do short sales and stuff, kind of with those crap jobs um, type thing. But, um, you know, being an assistant for an agent isn't the end of the world. You actually get paid for learning a lot of this stuff. And I've I've never shied away from that. I think it's a great experience. Um, you can do that. If you're already an agent, you can try to find uh, REO servicers who are giving out BPOs in your area, whether it's Bank of America or Wells Fargo or any of those companies that do those uh, those fee, they call them fee BPOs. So for money, usually for uh, 50 to 100 bucks, you could do this BPO. And so you're getting paid to kind of learn um, valuation. And over the course of doing a few hundred of them, you will, um, you'll, first of all, you'll hate your life, but B, you'll, <laughs> you will be glad that you did it because um, you'll know areas and you'll, it, you'll be able to just to take an MLS system um, and use it for your own purposes. I mean, you can just look, you know exactly what you're looking for and values um, come so much easier. All right. Awesome. Yeah. And we, we've actually got a, a, uh, a bunch of uh, links on, on our resource page at biggerpockets.com slash REI that, uh, that point to resources like REO banks and things like that. We've got like the original REO bank list that that's got all that stuff. So you, you can, you can go on there and do some research and, and reach out to these guys uh, if if you if you want to do that. Um, let's jump back one more time, jumping around uh, to to the topic of flipping because you 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 had said that you had started out by flipping and then mainly uh, went to wholesaling. Why uh, why'd you do that? Well, it was uh, it was a handful of deals into the into it and. I had a great GC, general contractor, or so I thought. Um, he did a, an amazing job for, for three properties. And then uh, moving on to the fourth, um, he decided that, and it was a completely legitimate company. I mean, they had storefronts and were doing a lot of commercial uh, jobs um, for McDonald's and you know these big, big build-outs. And so you couldn't get more legit on paper than this guy. And I get a call from one of my friends on New Year's Day and said, hey, if you have any materials at, at this guy's warehouse, you better go get them because you know the feds are going to come in. And I think they seized them on a tax thing. They weren't paying their taxes. And um, that guy ended up walking away, going to California with you know probably about 20 investors' money. Thankfully, that job yeah. of mine was pretty close to being done. It was about 90, 90% done. And so I did have to go in and clean up and uh, 
got a lot of threats for liens on my own house because they, you know he didn't pay my guys and you know had to go in with my own money and fix these deals and of course it was all uh, money that was lent so my private money guy was uh, wondering what the heck was going on but you know it wasn't just me who got burned it was you know me and about five other guys that I personally know and then easily you know, 10 or 15 other guys in town. So, I mean, it was a big operation and wow. it, just, it shut down overnight. Wow. And so, and so at the same time I had deals that I, I wasn't interested in flipping. And so I was wholesaling them. So I was thinking to myself, this was easier money with a lot less risk. And I wasn't really, really ready to date any more general contractors. Um, I had heart, had my heart broken once and I <laughs> uh, wasn't ready to get back out there, so to speak. But it was, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, you get burnt and you, for for a while, I mean, you got to, you're just hesitant to jump back in. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, did they ever end up busting this guy? Did he go to jail? <clears throat> no, he's, uh, he's still in California. And um, I think that there might be a couple of guys who are looking to get in on a class action suit or something. But nice. at and the end of the day, Tony I'm, the bone breakers looking for him somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I hired him. And uh, Brandon, are <laughs> you ready to go down to California? I, I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> He's the bone breaker. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, I, t- I tell you what, I, I had somewhat of a similar experience with a property manager, actually. And uh, what they had done was they... Uh, the story is that they didn't love all the clients that they were working with and they wanted a way out. So essentially, they shut down their business and they all opened up a new business and a new name and took on all the clients that they wanted. Except here's the thing. The clients that they didn't necessarily want, they held on to their security deposits and rents and all sorts of stuff. So that's, that's crazy. it was crazy shady. I got, I got ripped off until I started blogging about it and writing about it and pressured them <laughs> to uh, pay me back. Um, and uh, the power of bigger pockets came through on the, that case, which was uh, great. But yeah, you, you know, there's there's a lot of shady people out there, and and unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do to kind of protect yourself against these types of crazy things happening. Uh, you know, you can protect yourself against a lot of stuff, but you know, sometimes bad things happen, and and uh, uh, there's just not a lot you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. You can have the best contract in the world with your contractor, but if they decide to walk, your only recourse is court. And even then you're just going to end up settling with their insurance company for, you know, pennies on the dollar of what they owe you. And I've seen that happen just recently with a, with a friend of mine. So it's, uh, it's, it's hard to find the right guy. And even when you find the right guy, he might not be the right guy. So it's, you wow. just got to do your, you got to do your due diligence and do your best. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, so what, what are you going to do differently? You said you want to get back into flipping. No. Yeah, it's it's really what I what I love most about real estate taking an old you know a, a piece of junk and turning it into something really nice. And um, this time, you know, I was handing I was just handing draws um, from my private money lender, just handing draws over to my GC, and he was handling everything. Um, and at the end, or handling everything, so I thought. But uh, this time around, I'm. Um, I'm kind of mentoring with a friend of mine who's teaching me how he's doing business. And I, I never think that you're done learning. I'm, I'm always happy just to jump in with, with somebody who I uh, respect and, and, and they're doing a great uh, job kind of doing what I want to do and learning from them any way that I can. And so um, 
I'm kind of relearning the whole process of, of uh, you know, materials, doing all the materials, ordering myself, um, doing the G or doing kind of being a GC where you're handling all the subs, you're doing payroll, you know, you're, you're basically in charge. You're, you have much more control over the process. And so that's what I'm in the process of right now is kind of resetting my brain on, on how I'll be running the business moving forward and learning hands-on um, from another investor on on what to do and what not to do when you're running that kind of flip business. So it's been invaluable. Um, you're never done learning. And so I've kind of jumped back in the student thing and, and, and never ashamed to say that, you know, I'm, I'm learning all over again. So. Well, and I think that's key too, is like that you say you never done learning. And that's one of my favorite things about bigger pockets really is there's always somebody smarter than you at pretty much anything on bigger pockets. Like no matter what you want to learn about, there's somebody who's experienced it and been through more than you have. So, uh, and if I could just encourage everyone on that note to, to jump in and, uh, even if you're a pro, I mean, jump in and you could probably learn, uh, from other people, things that you don't know. So yeah, I think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also then I might as well, uh, throw in here, uh, you talked about, uh, you know, estimating the, the costs and, you know, planning the budget and all that good stuff, uh, with the flips. So I might as well mention to people that if, uh, anybody out there is, working on the same thing, you should definitely check out our house flipping calculator. It's at biggerpockets.com slash calc. And uh, you can kind of play around with the numbers and see what your uh, potential profit's going to be. So that is my... Yeah, and I've, I've played point. around with it as as the wholesaler and a flipper, and it, it does great work. I mean, I've used it on on presentation style things lately. So nice. So you say, so yeah. So you did a great job on that. And I would, and I hate to be, you know, Mister Plug guy, but I think Jay Scott's <laughs> books um, yeah. are great. Ever ever since I met him, and uh, uh, I, I want to be him when I grow up. I guess is, is, <laughs> is what I'm is, is what I'm trying to say. No, I, I think he does. He's done a great job with turning flipping into, you know, a, a scalable business. And that is the, that's the goal. I mean, onesie and twosies are great, but uh, if you want to launch into a business, I think that his books on, um, you know, both estimating the costs and his main book are, are great at laying out a foundation of how to do that. And that's not, don't, don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to, uh, you know, find someone who's doing what you're doing and, and model. Right on. And, and those you can find at biggerpockets.com slash flipping book. We've got those available for sale. Um, all right. And, and Anson did not get paid to pitch that <laughs> by any means whatsoever. Dang it. Um, all right. Well, listen. So, so la- last question before we move on to the next section of uh, the interview here. And, and that's mistakes. I know early on you had talked about, oh, and I've got stories. And, and clearly you do because the contractor story was a whopper. Uh, what other what other stories you know uh, you know uh, mistakes uh, have you made or any just like kind of crazy stuff that you've been through as as uh, you've gone through your investing career? I've done the the classic wholesaler mistake when I was when I was newbie and uh, and I didn't understand rehab costs all that well and I've um, you know I've shot out deals where there was just dead silence on the other end. And when I called for some feedback from a friend and they were just like, man, you're way off. And, you know, the more that you do this, the more people will, won't take you seriously. And so, um, and I think everybody does that at one point. It's just kind of learning the, the business. And, um, but I, I then took very seriously that ARV repair value. And obviously you have to, you have to be buying a deal for someone else to buy it. But if you're off on your other numbers, 
you know, the next subsequent deals that you send out will just be, they'll just fall on deaf ears because people won't take you seriously anymore. And, you know, I've, I've made those mistakes. Um, I'll own up to them and say that I, uh, you know, from then on, I, I paid very, very close attention to exactly what I was sending out so that I'm sending out the best product, you know, and uh, build a reputation on that and hopefully. So. so don't market and pitch bad deals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. Yep. Right on. Yep. And I and I know you guys talk about that a lot, and uh, and it's it's very accurate. It's uh you know it can destroy your reputation over the course of a few months if you just send out those deals all the time. So yeah, yeah. Right on. Cool. All right. Well, listen. Let's uh let's jump into our fire fire round. Fire. fire. That was scary, Brandon and Anson. <laughs> thanks for participating. I I can't do the falsetto. You know. Uh, <laughs> quick tip, quick tips that you guys do, but I'll I'll lend to the growly voice. That's oh, for good. sure. I hope that people in their cars while they're listening to this podcast, I hope they do it out loud with us. That would be really funny. And if you do, you should like make a vine and send it to me on Twitter or something because that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, suddenly oh, wow. the the bigger pockets quick tip and fire rounds are going to be coming in from <laughs> everywhere. In fact, you know what? Here's the challenge: if you if you want to do it on your own. Do it, and we'll we'll sample your recording, and we'll add it to a show if it's yeah. good. So if you want to participate, jump in and help us out. That's a good idea. All right, first question of the fire round, and again, these all come from the Bigger Pockets forums. So if you have a question, jump in the forums. You'll get probably lots and lots of answers from people, and you might get chosen uh, your question to be on the podcast. So here we go. Number one: Do you have any tips for finding good deals on Craigslist? I'd say volume is your key. Um, I've only done a, a certain amount of it, but the more consistent you are with with volume and then follow up with people who do respond, the better off you are. What do you, what do you mean by volume? Well, it'd be like emailing pretty much everybody that you can um, that meets your cri- your criteria. So if you're looking for you know landlords who are wanting to get out, you know email pretty much everybody or call pretty much everybody that you can that fits your criteria. Otherwise, it's 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 a numbers game like like direct mail. Gotcha, gotcha. Right on. All right, next question: Would you invest in a property with a well or septic tank versus, say, city water? Um, I don't have much experience in that, but as long as the uh, septic reports come back and the well reports come back, okay, I think that you're okay. But then again, pretty much everything's on city water where I normally invest. So, gotcha. Okay. All right, how do you show someone who is eternally pessimistic? The advantages of investing in real estate. This is a personal question from Brandon. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I saw this in the forums. I love this question. Cats are pessimistic. Well, Brandon, (laughs) this is what I do. Brandon, I would uh, change. No, I would. I would definitely. um, Pretty much, it's a numbers. It's a numbers game. If you if you can show somebody solid numbers of why it makes sense to, you know, to buy rentals and pay them off, or buy rentals and have your tenants pay them off, and show them over over the course of time, I don't think that numbers really lie. And if they're uh, if they're arguing against you know logic and real hard numbers, then you know it might not be someone that you can convert. But if you can show somebody a you know a twenty thirty year chart of hey, if I buy this many rentals for this long then we'll we'll see this kind of return and then at the end we'll see this much cash flow and if somebody's still pessimistic about money then um i don't know i guess i can't help them yeah. logic prevails logic prevails that's right right on right on all right so what's the smartest way to invest in real estate if you do have money if you do have money i would say um if i came into you know 100 grand overnight 
I would definitely leverage that and buy, you know, as many buy and holds as I could with that money. So instead of buying, you know, two free and clear properties, I might try to buy 10 leverage properties. Um, that would be my personal way to do it. Um, but yeah, it, it just makes sense to me that if a renter is paying your, your debt service, then you're pretty much moving ahead in the game. Yep. Cool. Uh, what about some more abnormal types of properties, a little unconventional, like town abnormal, <laughs> like townhomes or duplexes? Do you wholesale anything like that? Um, townhomes, yes. Uh, they're usually, you know, they're deeded uh, on their own, and 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 usually, uh, depending on the area, they can they can go pretty pretty fast or pretty good to you know a buy and hold type guy who doesn't want a lot of maintenance on the exterior. They'd rather just pay the HOA or whatever. But condos, um, I kind of shy away from the HOA on buildings can, if, you know, if that number jumps too high, it, it can just be, uh, just double your costs. And so I stay away from those. And, and usually rural, um, I stay away from rural, rural properties only because there's just not as many buyers looking for those as, um, as I'd like, I'm I'm looking for the hotter areas. So. Preach it, right on, right on, right on, preach it, bro. <laughs> yeah, don't buy up in uh, three thousand uh, population Brandonville. That's only I, my town. Yeah. I live outside of a larger town, Aberdeen. A larger town that has Aberdeen thirty thirty five hundred people. It's like yes. thirty five thousand. Oh, okay. Josh, Josh. Okay. <laughs> to all the Aberdeen, to all the Aberdeen listeners, we, we <laughs> respect you. We really you. do. You have a big town. Yeah, you feel good about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a Starbucks because I know Brandon. You know, was pretty much two, always there. Two Starbucks. Oh, Whoa. it's a two Starbucks the town. Two Starbucks town. One okay. one traffic light and two Starbucks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What else do you need? What else do you need? <laughs> All right, so. Bat, bat, you know, I'm bashing on Detroit, and now suddenly Aberdeen. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Oh my God, I'm gonna I'm gonna get hated. Yep. Hate mail from everywhere. Yes. Yes. This is a All right. Place of grunge. Aberdeen. Is it really? Nirvana. Really? Nirvana. Cobain. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. Last question. Anson. Not for Brandon. Anson. Bookkeeping. What do you what do you uh what do you use? What tools? Do you use like QuickBooks or how do you manage your bookkeeping? I manage it with by giving everything to my wife, who yes. <laughs> who was a bookkeeper for a long time huh. and uh before she stayed at home with our son. But um and she uses QuickBooks, but I I've done a better job lately of um, kind of plugging everything into Excel, keeping receipts, and then that way it's a lot easier for my bookkeeper then to do um, their job. Is if I have everything organized, um, I, I don't have time to do it all myself. But um, but QuickBooks seems to be the the standard uh, of what everyone uses. So fantastic, that's great, cool. All right, well, in closing up here, why don't we uh, why don't we hit up this uh, famous all right the first question of the famous four is what is your favorite real estate book well um rich dad poor dad was a good foundation but uh not much meat in that book i think that um millionaire real estate investor by gary keller was probably the one that turned me around of how the game is run and then planning with the end in, in mind so you know how many deals you need to get how much money you want um those kind of things that's a great book and that's those a great are. tip by the way as well the uh the planning with the end in mind and starting from your your final numbers and working backwards yeah but, absolutely absolutely yeah and, and both those books and a whole lot of other ones are on our list the bigger pockets list of the 20 best real estate books ever so and we'll link to that in the show notes but anyway. yeah, check check them out all right favorite business book 
Um, I'm going to be with kind of a Brandon guy and say that the four hour work week changed yes. my mindset. It changed, changed my mindset, oh my but no, no, no. wrong and with it, all you guys. No, no, no. I it, haven't read the book admittedly, but my this, God, it's like a cult of four hour work week. People. No. And then, and then this one's for Josh. Um, cause I can never have like one favorite, but, uh, crush it by Gary Vaynerchuk. Oh my God. It's crush it. Yes. Yes. Crush it. Crush it. Crush it. Now crush it. Crush it. Yes. Wow. Excited. Wow. Excited. excited. That was, that was my Gary impression. That is how he talks, yeah. Scary guy. Yeah. Anyway, I like that book. I crushed it was awesome. I recommend that too to everyone. I haven't read that either, but but uh, you know, the enthusiasm exudes from it. Yes. You should read that one, Josh. That one is like you, like to a T. I I think it is, yeah. Is I think it's It's the opposite of the 4-hour work week. It's like the 190-hour work week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's insane. Anyway, we'll link to that in the show notes also. Everyone should read it. Uh, hobbies. Hobbies. Um, hanging out with my family. Uh, we take our son on adventures and we've been hiking a lot lately. Uh, we did our first 14er. Nice. Like two weeks, three weeks ago. Um, and then also I play guitar and bass. Um, most recently in a band that travels for conferences and conventions and stuff like that. So nice. nice. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Rock band, baby. Rock band. That's, That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and I've seen Anson's pictures in the mountains. They're awesome. He he is, he's definitely making me uh, a little bit envious of his of his adventures up there. So uh, you know, if you if you're friends with Anson, check out his Facebook pictures. They're awesome. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. Last last question. And and since Brandon always asks this, I'm going to see if I can get it right. But uh, what what sets apart those people who who really excel and exceed and and you know, thrive in 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 the field of say wholesaling and flipping versus those who uh, ultimately end up uh, disappointing themselves and their wives and failing miserably. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just kidding. You know, we all you know everybody tries things, and it's not some things aren't for everyone. But no, but truthfully, what what does set apart those guys who really uh, kick backside uh, versus those who may not do as well? You know, it's not a new answer for your podcast, but consistency. And I'm going to probably try to frame it in a different way. Um, uh, one of my early mentors said, you're either consistent or you're non-existent. And that's so true for what what you're trying to do in this business. If you're like an MLS guy, you need to be making offers every day. If you're a direct marketing guy, you need to be consistently hitting your target market. And it doesn't matter you know, what your strategy is. There's 10,000 ways to skin a cat in, this, in real estate. But if you're consistently pursuing a worthwhile strategy, you will do a thousand times better than, than somebody who's scattered or who is a start-stop kind of guy. If you're just consistently hammering it, you will do okay. You will do, you'll, you'll be just fine. Nice. Two tweetable nice. topics in, yeah. in one statement. That's it awesome. was. I was going to say, I expect every single person who's listening to this to go to the show notes and, and click the little the tweet button next to that quote and go tweet it or share it on your Facebook wall because that was good. All right, Anson. Great answers, great insight, lots of really great tips along yeah. the way. Uh, we definitely appreciate you adding a little bit of uh, quirky flavor to the quirky flavor that is already the Brandon and Josh Mayhem show of Bigger Pockets. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm sorry that it's the end since you had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get to me. 
this is the last show. This is it. Yeah, you thought that Will Bernard's was the last show, but this is it. So, <laughs> Thirty-four no. and done. Good job. No, guys. We'll keep going. We're, we got lots lined up. So, uh, you, you guys are doing great. Thanks so much. Yeah, Thanks for thank you. Time. All right, guys, that was show thirty-four of the Bigger Pockets podcast with Anson Young. Uh, definitely want to thank Anson for taking his time and joining us on the show here today. Lots of cool tips, lots of great feedback. Uh, of course, always stuff that uh, I know I, I, I learn something every show. And uh, My mind I'm has pre- been blown. Yep. Mind blown, which is great, <laughs> which is great. Yes, so uh, thanks again to Anson for that. Uh, for those of you listening, again, you can definitely uh, jump in and interact with Anson uh, through his profile, which is linked in the show notes, or just ask him questions uh, about the show or anything else you want to in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 34. Otherwise, make sure you're following us on Twitter at biggerpockets, uh, twitter.com slash biggerpockets, Facebook at facebook.com slash biggerpockets. We're on LinkedIn, we're on G, we're on Pinterest, we're all over the place. So uh, definitely make sure to follow us elsewhere and hey, share Josh, us, share our articles. Can they, hey, follow, Brennan, can they follow us on MySpace? Uh, you know, <laughs> MySpace is is now owned partially by Justin Timberlake, I believe, and and I think he was trying to make it relevant again as a website. And and if Justin Timberlake is listening to the show, we'd love to have him on. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, MySpace is I I think is really all music focused once again. And and yeah, I don't think so, man. We're not there. I don't want to. We're not everywhere. Now. I'm looking right at the other half of me. Oh, sorry. It's a good song. Was was that Mirrors? Yeah, you know. That was Mirrors. That 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 was pretty good. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty talented. JT. It's a hot jam. It's a hot jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, close it. Anyway, close it. As I was saying, it's it's time to get out of here. You guys, thank you for listening. Make sure you rate and review us on iTunes. Check out the show on iTunes and you rate and review us there. And uh, come back to Bigger Pockets and hang out with us. There's a lot of great stuff happening. We'll see you around the neighborhood at biggerpockets.com. That's it. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Here to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R, today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. 
Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.